Hello, wacky teacherpreneurs. It's Jess and Amanda. We're back. Um, I am in Central Perk, the Friends Coffee Shop. Where are you, Jess? Just in front of a window. <laughs> a window. A window. Not just a window, a window. I was thinking a window, like the kind that makes you money, like dough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we should talk about money. So this is a wacky coffee chat. We're going to be sharing life updates, personal business updates. My bed keeps showing up in my background. Barely, barely. I don't have an office. I'm in my bedroom right now. Where are you? Do you have an office? Oh, yeah, I got lots of bedrooms. Lucky. Just kidding. I only have two extra. But yeah, I that's, turned one of them into my office. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I hope that everyone who's listening gets some value from these weird, wacky uh, coffee chats. So um, let's cue the dude. Welcome to the Wacky Teacherpreneurs Podcast. Your hosts, Jess and Amanda, have been friends and teacherpreneurs for years. Along with their successes, they've had lots of failures, foibles, and fumbles. And now, they're here to share it all with you. Stay tuned for some funny times and awesome business insights. Let's go behind the scenes of their teacher businesses now. Raw. Unfiltered. Real. Let's get started. I'm drinking too much coffee. Does that happen to you? Like when you drink too much coffee, you get hot. Yeah, I kind of switched to water during our episodes. I feel like some heat comes off the computer and it's like blowing in my face a little bit. I'm just making that up really. And I sit in front of a real window for the light. So I feel like I just I need cold water or I'll die. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm in a sauna right now. It's OK, though, because it's really rainy and cold in California right now. And so we crank the heat up. All right. Why don't you start with, um, do you want to start with your life or business or my kind of combined? I guess I'll do both. (laughs) I'll do both. So I am a elementary school librarian. That is my day job. I, but I teach class all day. And if you are a librarian, then you know, there's one week of the year that you work a lot of extra hours and you put a lot more into your job. And that is book fair week. So when there is a book fair, like a scholastic book fair at schools or any other kind of book fair, that's the only way I get money for books for the library. Because as far as I know, uh, my school is not budgeting out any money for books, <laughs> for library books, even though they should they changed some laws a few years ago where they don't have to. So mm-hmm. I own the only way I can get new books, Scholastic Book Fair. And so they basically ship it to you and you have to set the whole thing up. So I got these six giant, they look like iron suitcases, but they're like room sized. <laughs> they're like the sizes of bathrooms, right? Sizes of small bathrooms. I got six giant cases and you open them up and the books are already on display in the cases and they have posters that you put on the top. So you open them up, but then they send you 50 boxes of books and then you have to organize all those books and figure out how you're going to put them on display to sell them. And then they then they send you these toys and 
Oh, like a bunch of stuff that like teachers roll their eyes at when kids buy, right? They come back from the book fair with no books and only toys and <laughs> just the way the library can make money. And I have no say so over what they send me or the prices or anything, but it's a lot to put on. I used to do yard sales when I was a kid. That's how I started my entrepreneurial journey is when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I would go around to all my neighbors and ask them for stuff to sell. I would be like, can you give me some stuff to sell? I'm having a yard sale. And my neighbor's so nice. They would. They would go to their garages, give me a bunch of stuff they didn't want. And I'd take it over to my driveway and I'd sell it in yard sales. So this kind of reminds me of setting up my own yard sale. Although there's, I feel like there's zero benefit to me. It's just a whole lot of extra work and I'm getting paid the same. So I've been a little salty this week because of all that. And then I have a bunch of other duties. There's like 20 more things they're expecting me to do as the librarian because the book fair is aligning with Nevada Reading Week. I'm in Nevada. It's kind of like Read Across America Week. So there's all these other things I'm doing. So work has been a little bonkers. I was going to tell you something interesting. I told you Wait, this a few weeks ago. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, what, what do you do when you're super, I mean, you have a full-time job. How does your business fit into it? I'm, I'm sure people are curious about that, Jess, like, cause I bet there's people listening right now who teach full-time or have a full-time position and also have a side business. So like, how do you juggle it all? <laughs> in, you can't, in you can't be an entrepreneur and a full-time teacher at the same time and do a good job at either one. So I, I, I'm just so fortunate that Teachers Pay Teachers is passive income. I made these products four, five, six, seven years ago, and they continue to snowball and make me money as I go. And so I can expect a certain income from Teachers Pay Teachers every month, whether I work on the business or not. So no. that's that's that. And I just I haven't been doing my crafting business. I don't have time because I'm so busy at school and so tired. So I just you just have to put things on the back burner so yeah. Okay. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you something. No. I was talking about this a couple episodes ago. Sorry, no. Um, no, you don't know. I haven't told <laughs> you yet. Kidding. So a couple episodes ago, I was worried because my assistant, so I have an assistant who handles all the books. She was going on vacation. And I remember I was talking about this with you and I was like, my assistant's leaving town. I'm going to be so stressed out. I thought it was that one week, but it turned out to be this last week she went on vacation, right? And um, so I was super worried because basically I can't do my job without her because I have to teach all day and I don't have time to shelf books and check books in and check books out. There's just, it's a two person job running a library unless you don't have to teach all day. And anyway, they made her put in for a substitute and she was like, nobody's going to want to do this job. No one's going to want to be a library aide, pays like $11 an hour. Nobody's going to pick up this job, but it turns out someone picked up the job and it was a retired librarian of 30 years, wow. 30 years in the district. She retired and she comes back only on Wednesdays and Thursdays. She only likes working in libraries and she's just trying to work in like every library in Las Vegas. So she knows all the good ones versus the bad ones. So it's kind of interesting because I told her some of my issues at school and some problems I'm having. And she basically, she sort of echoed some things you've told me. 
she echo things. She's like, yeah, that's not normal. You got to leave. You should quit this job. Uh -oh. <laughs> so things that go on. And she was just like, you got to leave, get out of there right now. That is. And then she, but she also made me feel better. Cause I'm like, you know, I keep trying a B and C and I keep having the same problems. And she's like, well, I feel like that's not you. That's administration and the system as a whole. You're not the broken one. It's the system and your admins. <laughs> so I was like, cool, cool. I know Amanda's like, oh no. But anyway, that's, uh, that's, well, this is a tell all podcast. And I do realize there's a small percentage chance someone could send that to my bosses and they'll be mad at me. Oh, well, it is what it is. Oh, well, you can leave then. <laughs> I'm a new librarian, I guess. But yes, yeah, they're lucky to have you. I know. And that's what this so lady lucky. was telling me. So I felt so good. Like, wow, this is someone who's been, she retired in the career. She retired as a teacher, taught for 30 years, left, still works a couple days a week for vacation money. But she was kind of like backing me up. Like some of the, some of the things that I've just gone through the last, even the last three years, she's like, wow, that is not normal in any job situation. You shouldn't put up with that. And so I was just thinking, sometimes I tell you about my problems and you're like, yeah, you should quit. Shouldn't put up with that. You know, that's not normal. I don't agree with like, you know what I mean? But you know how you, you hear from someone else who's been in your exact same position and you're just like, wow, well, if they're telling me that. You know, they must really know what they're talking about. But I did get a lot of compliments from her. She said, I'm a wonderful teacher. She loves my classroom management. She loves my lesson plans. And I'm I'm fantastic. So she really boosted my self-esteem and confidence. But she also kind of put the bug in the back of my head that really I deserve. I probably deserve more out of life. And so I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Aww. So that's my week. Well, wait, and, tell us about, you were going to tell us about a book. Oh, I totally forgot. This and I feel like this is, is also, related. This is related. Yeah, this this book has also made me think this a lot. Um, so it's called We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And gosh, I, this is actually the second book I'm reading this week. And we could probably do a whole episode on the other book I read. But I'll talk about this book first. And it's about, it's really focused around you know, women and why, you know, women like the pay gap and why women think that in general, they're bad with money, or maybe they don't deserve to make millions of dollars, just like the whole history. And a lot of the book, it's like, wow, I, I just, I didn't see it from this lens before, like literally two generations ago, like my, my grandma wasn't allowed to have her own bank account. She could only have a bank account if my, if she was married and her husband, she could like take money out of her husband's bank account, but she couldn't have her own bank account. Like in the 1950s and sixties, I'm like, wow. And I just didn't realize how bad it was for women financially. And they talk a lot. Like she talks a lot in the book, like women are expected to basically, bear children which is a huge financial burden you know you it takes a lot out of your body your mind your soul like having kids and raising kids the only answer to like society growing and the population growing are women but yet we are financially punished for doing that because you have to take time off of work 
And you have to, you can't pour yourself into businesses and jobs the same way. And so a lot of the book addresses that. And she's just like, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And she actually talks about, you know, making, um, I don't know if we can swear. Are we swearing on this show yeah. or no? Oh, yeah. She says there's two <laughs> frames of thought. There's rich thoughts and broke ass thoughts. And so she goes off about like broke ass thoughts that women often have. And she just, all, she's just like listing them all the time and how to change them into rich thoughts. And like, as women, like, we're just like, so we, we have, we are good with money and we have a million amazing, amazing ideas for how to make money and do things. But like, we're always giving those ideas away to other people or helping like the men in our lives make more money and making like things stable for them and comfortable for them. And we're never thinking about ourselves. It's just counterintuitive being the child, you know, rearers we're just, we just think differently. And so this whole book is about taking that away, like be gone with that mental thought, change your broke ass thoughts into rich thoughts. And like, how can you make little tweaks in your life? So like you are really prosperous and you're making tons and tons of money. And some, a lot of what she talks about is some of the stuff we've talked about in our own business, like doing business coaching and stuff. Uh, she talks a lot about that. And, you know, I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> I want to, I think you'd really book. like the book. I think you'd like the book. Yeah. I definitely want to read this book and that it, it's a very like taboo topic, like talking about money and wanting money, wanting more money, um, wanting things that seem impossible, you know, like my husband is really good with money. I'm really good with money. There's my, my more, I'm really good with money and he's really good with money and he really wants to retire early. Like that's one of his financial goals is to retire early, you know, in his early fifties. And he's really doing a lot to make that happen. And for a long time, I took on that too. Like, oh yeah, we're both going to retire early. But the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, what? I don't want to retire. I love working, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I don't love working for someone else, but I love working for myself and figuring out different ways that I can make money online, you know, and, and that is really a creative endeavor and it's fun and exciting. It's also very, very hard. But like I told him, I was like, look, I'm not as concerned about retiring at 50 as you are. And like, I kind of separated myself from that, you know, and was very like transparent about it to him. And it, it didn't even occur to me until recently, like, <clears throat> wait, I don't, I mean, sure. I want to travel and like do fun things and stuff with him while he doesn't have a job, but like, I still want to, I don't know. I'm, I, I like working. I got to interject because remember I said I read two books this week. The other yeah. book I read is called Icky Guy by Hector Garcia. And it's all about uh, how, like, why 
um, do certain uh, populations live longer than others? So, and specifically, the people of Japan have the longest life expectancy. They live the longest. And it really like digs into like, why, why do these people live well into their hundreds and they live pretty good? They're pretty healthy into their hundreds. How? And one thing they do is they find their ikigai, which is, and it's actually spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. Hope I'm saying it right. I did just listen to the whole book. Um, one thing they do is they find their flow and they work forever. They don't stop working. They find things that they love working on. And a lot of it is crafting and gardening as they get older, right? But they keep on working. They never stop working. And they're highly, like, they're really involved with friends and a community. And of course they eat well, but it's, like keeping their mind busy and working is they feel like this is what they have. Um, that's a little bit different than other, than other cultures that don't have as long a life expectancy. So it's interesting that you said that as that was a huge part of the book is they basically work until they die, but they're so out. They work on things they love, you yeah. know, they work on things that don't feel like work. If exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I mean, I would love to make enough money online to help my husband retire, you know, like, and when I think that thought, I think like, that's impossible. Um, you know, and that's a broke ass thought, right? Broke ass <laughs> thought. Get rid of um, that. Okay. So here's my update. Uh, I've ta talked a lot about ADHD um, in some of our other previous episodes. And I um, have been learning a lot about the neurodiversity movement um, because of my work with equity um, and just social justice and schools and things. And because of my, my daughter, because she is very bright and also quirky and, you know, just doesn't really fit into the traditional school setting for um various reasons. So anyways, I decided to see, uh, and I've been seeing a therapist for years and I've talked about that on the podcast, but I decided to see a psychiatrist because I was curious. Um, I mean, I think both of us can relate in this way, Jess, where our childhoods were not normal. Um, I, I think we did not really fit in. I think I can speak for both of us when I say that. And I think that's why we get along so well. <clears throat> I just never felt like I fit in. Uh, I mean, and I was kind of a chameleon. I would go all over the place, different groups and things and have, you know, a, a history of being bullied um, and was just kind of weird growing. I was a weird kid, uh, very weird. And I think we would have probably gotten along as a, as kids anyways. And, and I've just been learning no, more and more about neurodiversity and wondering, am I neurodiverse? Am I someone who's not neurotypical? Um, and I just, I think that because of all the problems that I've had growing up and then just witnessing my daughter growing up and, and seeing, you know, kind of the, the her strengths and seeing my same strengths in her, but also the things that are challenging for her. So anyways, long story short, I talked to the psychiatrist about a large number of things. Um, I talked to her about um, depression. 
bipolar disorder, anxiety, ADHD, even autism, you know, and I, and I filled out all these papers and she asked me lots and lots of questions and she, her, um, final, I don't know, verdict was that I have ADHD. Um, and I still don't really believe it. Like there's part of me that's like, mm, cause I don't fit it exactly. Like, so I don't, I don't know. I'm sure everyone listening knows about ADHD, but maybe there's a lot of myths that some people, um, have about ADHD, like, and it's, it's specifically like i mean we know that boys are diagnosed more than girls like there are girls that have adhd that never get diagnosed and, and don't get diagnosed until they're adults and it's because girls um d- demonstrate the <clears throat> the effects of it in their mind more like they're not as able in our society to be bouncing off the walls. You know what I mean? Like it's more acceptable for boys to kind of be rowdy than it is for girls to be rowdy. Um, and I mean, I, the reason that my psychiatrist said she thought I had ADHD is because of the, uh, scattered mind. So, and, and I feel like this has really impacted, um, my journey as an entrepreneur, just being super, scattered and and constantly like overwhelmed with like um decision fatigue and shiny object syndrome um and just feeling like just really scattered you know and um and so because of that I do think I have ADHD because and also because of my um uh overexcitability. So that's another kind of aspect of ADHD is like people with ADHD often, well, one thing is they have low dopamine. So I don't know if many people know that, that people with ADHD, people with autism, people with depression, they actually have different chemical things going on in their brain. And that's actually why they're more prone to addiction because they're reaching for substances and things to increase their dopamine and and people with depression have serotonin. And I actually saw a functional medicine doctor because I had these really serious like allergic reactions during the pandemic where my whole body like was covered in hives. And I was like, you've seen, you saw pictures. Yeah. You showed me pictures of that. Augies from wonder. And they still, I still don't know exactly why that happened. I mean, it was kind of a combination of things, but I went to a functional medicine doctor. I went to an allergist. I went to a dermatologist. I went all over the place to find out like what the heck is going on. And one of the things that was found was that um, I have low dopamine. And so I told the psychiatrist that like they found that I had low dopamine and low uh, serotonin. She was like, yeah, that means you have ADHD. Like that's a sign of it. Um, and so I don't know, I feel like the reason I don't think I have it is because I'm so organized and usually people with ADHD have problems with executive functioning, which is like just the ability to, you know, kind of organize and plan and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Cause they're so scattered. Um, 
And yeah, so that's that part. And so can someone be organized and still have ADHD? I think so. Um, And my psychiatrist actually was like, well, were you expected to clean when you were a child? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I was the maid. (laughs) You know, like I couldn't do anything unless the whole house was clean. And so and I've noticed that, like, I can't focus unless my environment is super tidy. And, and like, if it's not, I can't focus. And I have noticed a lot of things since being diagnosed of times when I can't focus. So like times when people are talking and I'm just what my mind is wandering off, you know, and, and I can. And the reason that people with ADHD can hyper-focus is because on certain things, like for example, like business stuff. I can focus on that stuff all day, every day, like, and it's hyper-focus and it's because that activity increases dopamine. So like people with ADHD, like they can focus on certain things that they're passionate about and they actually have like superpowers when it comes to like hyper-focusing and that's because of the dopamine. So I don't know. Um, if, if you're listening right now and you think you might have ADHD, I mean, I think a lot of teacherpreneurs have undiagnosed ADHD because the driven nature of like a teacherpreneur and someone who's like accomplishing a lot, like that could be a sign of, of ADHD because, um, um, because of the overexcitability thing, like just getting super passionate about, about something and, and not like increasing your dopamine. Does that make sense? Do you have questions? No, but I have heard that, you know, how you're saying that people with ADHD, like some of the executive functioning skills are, are different. Well, I have met a lot of adults that have been diagnosed with ADHD and they do have, they're super organized and they have the same complaints as you. And what I read or what I heard from them too, is that when they talked to their doctors about, they were saying, yeah, that kind of thing is more evident, like in children, like children who don't have established routines, because, you know, like you, you know, a lot of times you can, you can sort of, you get a feeling about some kids. You're like, wow, they might have ADHD is a really unorganized and the ones with the desk, that's all messy, but, but I've also heard the for, really quirky creative, yeah. like think out of the box kind of kid. I mean, there's so many amazing, wonderful things about people with ADHD, you know, and, and it's like called, you know, this disorder, but like what I love about the neurodiversity movement neuro is that it's, it's really shifting people's thinking about like, well, what are the strengths of these people, you know? Um, and these kids in our classrooms, but what were so you're saying that like, well, I was saying that like, what I've heard is that it doesn't look the same in adults as it does kids. Like in kids, we might kind of like, we hear that as a teacher and we're thinking, oh yeah, I've known some people with that. I kind of know the signs to look for, but I've heard that the signs are completely different in adults. And that's why so many adults are really shocked when they get diagnosed with it. They're like, oh really? Because they are the one, the, the, I have met quite a few teacher entrepreneurs that have been diagnosed as adults. And they've actually been really organized, really tidy, super clean households. Like they're obsessed with organization and cleaning and, but they have been diagnosed with it. And I think it's, I think it just looks different in adults than well, it does and I think in kids. girls versus yeah. boys, because 
you know, as a kid, um, I do remember struggling to focus in certain classes like math and science, you know, those classes were very hard for me. Um, and yeah, and I think also perfectionism is part of ADHD as well. And sometimes perfectionism can be a really awesome thing because, um, you know, you really like are striving to, to produce something amazing, but it can like really, if you procrastinate because of perfectionism, that can be kind of hard. So, but if you have ADHD and kind of a perfectionist tendency, um, you know, it can be a superpower because you can be super productive and produce good work. And <clears throat> that's really cool that you've met other teacherpreneurs who have also been diagnosed. I just feel like this isn't a topic that a lot of people talk openly about. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I still question if I have it or not. I don't really know for sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But I, well, I it I does a lot of it does resonate with me and it really does explain kind of well because I've been staying home with my daughter homeschooling her this whole time and so all of my issues are like in my face you know <laughs> so it's it's hard like I'm the master of my own time and I struggle big time I think that's a perfect way to end this episode I think that is a perfect ending Okay. We've given people a lot to think about. Cheers. 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 Happy coffee time. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Toodles. Thanks for listening to this extremely serious episode brought to you by some truly wacky teacherpreneurs. Visit our website, wackyteacherpreneurs.com to get more support growing your business. Please leave us a five-star review. And remember, if you share this podcast with 10 other people, you'll have good luck forever.